Welcome to the McGuire Iron Podcast. My name is Brian Cooper. I'm the Director of Marketing at McGuire Iron and your host for this podcast. At McGuire Iron, we've been helping to store and protect quality water for over 100 years. On today's show, we will discuss what is happening in the training department of the Illinois Rural Water Association, along with what's new with the all-new EPA regulations in the state of Illinois. To help us understand more about these topics, I'm joined by Illinois Rural Water Training Specialist Dave McMillan. Dave started with the Illinois Rural Water Association in February of this year. His primary responsibility is to coordinate and establish training sessions for water supply operators. Dave comes to Illinois Rural Water after spending 33 years with Illinois EPA. Dave, thanks for joining me. Thank you very much. Let's start with Illinois Rural Water. You're a training specialist. What is what does your role entail with Illinois Rural Water? Well, the uh, the focus of the position is to try to deliver training to uh, water supply officials uh, throughout the state of Illinois. Uh, we are an organization that uh, represents uh, water systems uh, under 10,000 in population. Um, in addition, we also support uh, the larger communities when called upon. Uh, we have about 850 member communities. Uh, so our goal is to try to deliver uh, timely, uh, consistent messaging for training. How do you do that in your role? Well, we, uh, we try to partner with uh, industry uh, folks that are very well qualified uh, for uh, different, par- different presentations. Uh, in addition, we partner with communities uh, to try to deliver uh, free training. Um, and so it's, a, it's totally a partnership uh, of industries and the water systems themselves. Leads me into my next question, what are these rural water systems facing in today's climate? Well, uh, in particular, um, of course, everybody's heard of Flint, Michigan, and uh, everybody's heard of Legionella and Aglaria fowleri, the brain-eating amoebas, and I think uh, in today's uh, society and uh, with with all the stressors uh, on uh, producing a high quality water, uh, we're just now finding out that uh, some of the uh, some of the things that we never dreamed would be a problem uh, really may be present in our water systems, and we just don't know it. Why is that so important for for training the rural water operators, those cities, using that knowledge base to try and help them through their issues? Well, uh, you know, I think um, by and large uh, in Illinois and probably across the country uh, with uh, US EPA's uh, leadership, um, we've done a pretty good job, I think, of, uh, of regulations to treat water. Um, I think in particular in Illinois, where we do have a requirement to maintain disinfectant residuals and distribution, I think we've also done a pretty good job of, of trying to, from the source to the delivery of the distribution system, we've done a pretty effective job of providing a high quality water. I think uh, what we're coming to, though, in the future is uh, a realization that even when you do that, uh, you have vulnerabilities in your water system. Um, You have vulnerabilities in your storage. You've got water age issues. uh, And I think once you go down that path, um, I think you start realizing that all the things we've done to 
reduce water consumption, uh, you know, uh, low flow fixtures and those types of things. We're not turning water over like we once did. So I think we've kind of reached that tipping point where we're going to have to balance uh, water conservation with actually uh, potentially wasting water in order to maintain high, high quality water in our distribution systems. What are some of the things that your members are specifically facing that you get calls for a lot? Well, I think uh, just a general uh, background on regulation um, in Illinois specifically, uh, we're on the verge of having new design operation and maintenance standards. Uh, we are looking at uh, changes in our disinfectant residual requirements on our distribution systems. Um, I think there's also uh, a return to the need to return to the basics. Um, you know, uh, taking good samples, uh, getting cooling of the samples, uh, getting uh, adequate operational reporting, uh, doing good maintenance, all those things that, uh, that, you know, make for a good, safe water supply. And that's why, as we're talking today, we're at one of the Illinois Rural Water Trainings, and these are the type of events that are paramount to helping operators and you know others understand all of these myriad of different topics that they're dealing with yeah that's correct I think uh, by and large um, you know we develop regulations in the state of Illinois um, and elsewhere and we hope that those regulations provide a good framework um, but then as part of providing that framework, we have to educate on what the reason for the education or the regulation is, and we have to provide speakers that have knowledge in water storage tanks and distribution systems and uh, flushing and turning water over and uh, keeping water from stratifying in towers and, and that sort of thing. So in today's, uh, in today's discussion, you know, that was the focus. As we, you know, we provided information on the new regulations. We followed that up with very well-qualified speakers um, from the industry that have the, you know, the professional knowledge to, you know, frame it to the operators so that they understand where the regulation is coming from. How is that? How important is that to have industry partners? Because Illinois Rural Water is only so big, and so you need to partner with other, you know, industry professionals who are seeing this stuff every day out in the field and can help train operators as well. Well, I think it's paramount. Um, I think, in particular, um, and we can use McGuire as an example. You know, there's an understanding of not only the operator and what the challenges he has, but actually the challenges of the community communities themselves and the limited resources that they have and an understanding of the need for proactive maintenance in lieu of reactive, uh, you know, essentially letting things go to the point where you've got to rebuild. What are some of the things your operators are facing? We talked about McGuire and how, you know, we partner with Illinois Rural Water, but what are some of the things they're specifically facing as it pertains to water tanks themselves? Well, I think, um, 
I think our history uh, in Illinois um, is that, you know, we operate to failure. Um, Illinois does not specifically have a regulatory requirement to do tank inspection to take the tanks out of service. There's a recommendation from AWWA. From, from AWWA. Yep. Um, however, that's not a, you know, a regulatory stick. Um, the Illinois EPA will routinely make recommendations that tanks need to be inspected, they need to be cleaned, the coatings need to be evaluated. However, there is no stick to make folks do that. Um, and I think part of that is the recognition of the limited resources that exist out there. The flip side of that is without these water systems taking that on, uh, again, they're operating to failure as opposed to proactively working with their one of their most valuable assets in their system. Um, and uh, I think any education that we can provide to make people understand that there are alternatives um, I think is a significant effort. Yeah, the hard part is is you don't know you have a problem until you have a problem in those scenarios. And then, as you mentioned, it's going to cost a lot more to address that problem than to keep tabs on it and work through it as you go. Yes, and, you know, one of the things that, uh, as Darren Clark has spoken uh, throughout the state, um, I did not have the understanding that dissimilar coatings can be such a problem. Um, and, you know, I think getting that that single message out to water systems that they realize that you cannot necessarily put coating X over uh, the previous Y coating um, because then it's going to fail, uh, you know, the light bulbs in the room come on immediately. Well, and that's, that's the thing with partnering with industry experts and training your operators of what to look for. I think that's probably the biggest thing that you guys do is in any scenario, what are some of the things that I can look for as an operator or, you know, whoever to say, oh, I remember hearing something about that. Now I need to call Illinois Rural Water or somebody else and they can recommend who I should have come look at it. Well, and, you know, understanding that, uh, you know, the various things that they should look for in a report. I mean, that, that's another significant thing to me is, you know, the, the message that, you know, there's these five or six or seven things that you should always see in a good report. Um, I think those are very important messages to get out that, you know, if they don't see those items in the report, then they didn't have a very good inspection. Uh, so, you know, Again, uh, having the industry uh, professionals uh, delivering these messages, I think, is significant. Well, in infrastructure, especially water infrastructure, Darren showed the slide earlier that Illinois is sitting at a C minus. Correct. And it's going to take $21.5 billion over the next 20 years to bring water infrastructure back up to where it should be. And so these are just a lot of the big picture issues because water is one of those things that's becoming more and more regulated because it's becoming less and less of a resource. And, and I think uh, because of some of our experiences, um, I think we're starting to recognize that it's a perishable resource. And, you know, you wouldn't take a steak and lay it on the counter for a week and expect that it was going to be good at the end of that week. So why are we delivering water that uh, has got 
had all this age on it and no disinfectant residuals and and why are we not getting disinfectant residuals is is it our towers that are stratifying is it our dead ends is it you know what what is the root cause of our problems and it could be a different answer for everyone and then again it could be some of the same answers um, and I think uh, again, bringing the industry professionals to the table and educating folks um, and not, uh, not providing a commercial, so to speak, but really you know, getting down to the brass tacks of what makes a good tank inspection. What, what should I be looking for you know, as, my, as my youth are mowing the yard? Is there something that they can look at around that tank that could be indicative of a problem? Do we have a missing screen? You know, all those types of things, I think, uh, are just fantastic messages. What kind of response are you getting from the people who come to trainings about the different things that you're presenting to them? Well, I think, um, by and large, we're getting a very favorable response. Um, uh, we have been delivering this water quality management discussion uh, now um, for about two months um, with you know variable topics but again getting back to you know the root need of doing better water quality management in our in our water supplies um, I think it's not a new message but I think it's a message that we need to return to um, because uh, people do need to hear it and and I think we're getting a very favorable uh, feedback on you know from from people evaluating our coursework um, you know we rate on a scale of zero to ten and I think we're pretty much always in the ninety percent range um, and and some of them uh, you know have even said you know it's the first time we've heard this message um, we thought water conservation was what we were supposed to be doing well it is what you're supposed to be doing but also you need to consider these other activities also that's the hard part about water is it's a double-edged sword there's the conservation of it but there's also the quality of it and so it's it's one of those scale balance issues indeed indeed now we talked about regulation just a little bit earlier but you come from a completely different side of the world when you came to illinois rural water with illinois epa talk about your background at background there well um it's 33 years worth, so I don't know how much time we've got. Um, <laughs> we got all the time in the world, Dave. <laughs> but uh, no, we've. Uh, I started off with uh, the groundwater program back in the mid '80s, um, and kind of worked my way up through the ranks um, to eventually the last 10 years. Uh, uh, I had spent as the uh, drinking water administrator for uh, Illinois EPA. Um, just short of 10 years, actually. And now, what does that mean? Drinking water specialist, what does that person well, I, take care of? I, as the administrator, I was the person that US EPA uh, climbed on whenever we had a problem, for starters. Um, I re represented Illinois uh, as the drinking water administrator, um, which kind of, it, that's the public water supply program manager. So all of the identical and substance rulemaking that Illinois has uh, with US EPA, we administer all of those rules. Um, Illinois is much, in, in large part, much more stringent than US EPA. Um, so we have a lot of state-only regulations. Um, we also endeavored uh, the last five or six years to essentially rewrite all of the state regulations. 
Um, so that was also part of my responsibility to bring us into the 21st century on, on drinking water. That sounds like a massive undertaking. Yeah, uh, it, uh, it was big, and we had to bite it off in, in pieces. Uh, we started uh, with our operator certification program and kind of revamped it. Uh, alongside of that, uh, we worked on our permitting regulations um, and revamped those. Um, and now we're on the verge uh, of having new design operation and maintenance standards uh, for the state. Uh, that rulemaking just went to second notice at the end of May, and we're hopeful that we see a new uh, set of regulations uh, sometime in August. Why did this need to be revamped? What was the, the behind-the-scenes why? Well, it... it, it when you have a regulation that starts off in the 1960s and evolves over many decades, um, there's a tendency that the the stuff becomes disjointed. Um, it also, uh, in some cases, was uh, not necessarily consistent. Um, we had quite a lot of need to just take a look at how all the pieces fit together. And quite honestly, it, it was a very difficult set of regulations to use, not only for the industry, but also for the regulators. I mean, um, if you don't have it put together well, you know, bring somebody new on board and it takes them 20 years to educate themselves on where something is in the regulation. I don't think that's necessarily a, a favorable position to be in. And I'm sure over time, as technology has changed, changed, all of that type of stuff, a regulation gets changed a little here and a little there and a little there, and pretty soon you don't really have the regulation you once did. Yeah, it, it becomes a piecemeal work. And uh, what we tried to do, um, again, uh, we tried to make it a logical design operation and maintenance standard. And uh, in doing that, we, we began with general provisions and then we started at the source and worked down through the regulation in that fashion to to make it more concise and as I said earlier today you know the goal is if you open up the regulation and you find yourself in aeration and you're looking for wells you know you've gone too far in the regulation so you page back or if you're looking for requirements on storage tanks you know you're not far enough so you can work forward it's a it's a fairly logical uh, uh, approach to trying to deal with those those requirements what were some of the largest hurdles in revamping this process <sighs> I, I, well i think the first hurdle is you've got a diverse set of backgrounds in a room um, and uh, trying to come to consensus on exactly what it should say. Um, a lot of people, uh, you know, we had, uh, I'm a licensed professional geologist, we had two licensed professional engineers, we had a chemist, we had attorneys. Um, so you had a very diverse group that's trying to write this regulation. And then we spent almost two years going to outreach with it before we proposed it to our Pollution Control Board and taking all of the feedback that you get from, you know, engineers and chemists and, and all of the diverse folks that we solicited feedback from. So, you know, coming to consensus on how the thing should look at, look like before you even give it to uh, a body to make a decision on um, was a daunting task. It was about a six-year process. What has the feedback been to what you've accomplished so far? Uh, by and large, um, you know, our feedback has been very positive. Uh, you know, 
there are obviously uh, folks that uh, didn't like this part of a provision or that part of a provision, but I think uh, everyone, the consensus I got uh, when we went through our testimony phase with the Pollution Control Board, you know, very favorable feedback. You know, not that we didn't have folks that wanted something changed, but uh, in Illinois, we've got a, a good process for that. And I think you build consensus and sometimes you just have to agree to disagree and uh, hope that uh, some, someone smarter than me makes a good decision. You said the old regulations were written in the 60s. How long do you see these regulations, you know, being relevant to when this may have to happen again? Well, I think that's a very good question. You know, and I said 60s, you know, they started at the 60s. Yep. But, you know, the bulk of the regulations are about 30 years old. Okay. Um, what I would say is uh, Illinois participates in the recommended standards for waterworks, what's commonly called the 10-state standards mm -hmm. work groups. And what our hope is is that we took that, that 2012 edition and pretty much incorporated all of the relevant sections into our regulation. Our thought is that by doing that, anytime there's a revision to the 10 state standards, oh, yep. of course. the goal would then be to reevaluate your regulations. And so, not have to start from scratch not, every time. Exactly, exactly. And so hopefully it, it will become more of a cyclic function. You know, every four or five years, somebody will take a look at the regulation and say, well, you know, we need to propose this or we need to propose that, and, and in hopes that, you know, it'll become kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's a living, breathing document that you can update. Correct, correct. Now, as we talk about regulation, how does that trickle down? Because the decisions that get made that go into these have an effect downstream. What does that look like? Is there a rollout process? Is there help that Illinois Rural Water provides? What does that look like? Well, again, I think you're hitting on the key point in the education process. I, I Definitely, Illinois Rural Water Association has a function in, in trying to help people understand the changes in the regulation. And again, the reason that the change was made. Um, uh, calling in the regulators to do presentations um, and, and then following those up with the industry professionals to say, okay, you know, you're going to request an increase in disinfectant residual. What does that mean? Does that mean we're going to have to boost our chemical feed? Or does it mean that maybe we need to look at an auto flusher at the end of a dead end? Or we need to look at a tank destratification with a tank mixer? Or, or do we have biomass that's accumulating in these towers and we need to be doing more frequent cleanings or, or whatever that may be? Um, so, yeah, the trickle down is definitely there. Um, uh, historically in Illinois, I think the, uh, the Illinois EPA has worked well with the, you know, with the educators um, to try to get the message out before they, uh, before they jump into an enforcement mode. And the hard part about Illinois is it's very diverse. You have Chicago, one of the biggest cities in the country, but then you have really, really small systems as well. How do, how do you balance that piece of it? Well, it, that's that's a difficult question, um, and you know, the thing with the Safe Drinking Water Act is, in theory, you don't care if it's a 15 service connection or millions of people. 
Um, so uh, those subdivisions and mobile home parks deserve just as good a water quality as somebody in Chicago. Um, sometimes that, uh, that's hard for people to understand, but there really isn't much flexibility in water quality. I mean, you're either, you're either going to meet the MCLs and meet the regulations. It's, it's a pass-fail. Exactly. And, and unfortunately, if we fail, you know, the most significant thing is not that you're in violation. The most significant thing is we could make somebody sick. And I think you see that. You mentioned it in your presentation talking about Flint, Michigan. You talked about you were going through this process of writing these specific regulations and Flint, Michigan happens, and then you have to stop and say, oh, um, now what do we do? And are we, are we making people safe the way we're supposed to? Exactly, exactly. And, you know, and um, while lead is a chronic type issue. Yep, because of Flint, just infrastructure. What's missed in a lot of the Flint discussion is the problem also uh, revolved around the Legionella and bacteria in the distribution system. Yep. And, um, you know, there were water quality complaints that were deemed aesthetic issues that when you start ferreting out the information, it was more than aesthetic issues. So um, we, when I was at Illinois EPA, um, and I'm sure they still are today, aesthetic complaints are always taken seriously because, again, you don't know what the root cause is. And it may be it's a high iron, high manganese water system that really isn't causing an, a health issue. On the other hand, did something happen there that's causing that aesthetic complaint and it's really not related to the iron and manganese? Maybe you've got a, a uh, biomass accumulating in the distribution system, and then you have a potential to harbor these other pathogens. So it's, it's a balancing act, definitely. And that's, I think, the, the place that Illinois Rural Water can really help these systems, cities, municipalities, villages, is help them with that balancing act because it, it is a tightrope, and there's only so much funding out there. You don't, you know, cities face well, we don't want to raise water rates because, you know, that'll make citizens angry, but it's, it's, a, real, it's a real big balancing act right now. Uh, yes, and, and I think the, the figure that you threw out earlier and the fact that uh, we, you know, we just have not had the money to invest in infrastructure, um, I think that exacerbates the problem. So, yeah, it, it's, it's huge. My final question to you is, is, is there anything new in the industry? Are you guys using any new technologies to help train people? Or what, 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 what's the future of Illinois Rural Water look like in the training aspect? Well, I think we're definitely open to new, uh, new thoughts on that. I, you know, uh, unfortunately, I'm older than the hills. So, <laughs> you know, the, the social media and, and that type of thing is a little bit foreign to me. Uh, but I hope that I'm smart enough to know that those are things that we need to invest in. Um, I, for example, Illinois Section AWWA is doing a number of webinars. Um, those may be avenues for us to, uh, to do training. Um, these podcasts are an interesting concept. Um, the converse is it really, to me, um, one of the most gratifying things is to speak to a group 
in in a room and start getting feedback um, and seeing the light bulbs turn on. Um, so, and I don't think we want to lose that one-on-one -on -one conversations. Um, but if there's ways to get our message out there in a more effective manner, um, maybe with a cost savings or whatever, I think I think we got to look at those things. One of my really good friends has always told me it's not one button that you push. You just got to push on a lot of buttons a little bit. I couldn't agree more. I think that's a very good analogy, you know, and and you have to be receptive to other ideas. You know, you can't you can't just sit in, you know, on your duff and not try different approaches. Um, I hope that as we give our training, you know, we're making a very concerted attempt to deliver the same message on a statewide basis and, you know, be topic centric and then move on to the next topic and try to, again, effectively communicate that across the state. A lot of topics will be the same, but do you notice in Illinois that in different parts of the state you have to tailor the message a little bit more because of the different issues they may face? I haven't been at it long enough maybe okay. to fully assess that. Um, I think historically uh, we, we have seen that, you know, for instance, certain parts of the state have arsenic in their groundwater mm -hmm. or uh, we have parts of the state that are more surface water system as opposed to groundwater. So, you know, those areas, sure, you're going you're gonna to talk about surface water treatment yep. rules. You're going to talk about those types of things. On the other hand, you know, there are messages out there that are, you know, fairly consistent. Universal. Yeah. And, and again, you know, we've been focusing the last couple of months on, you know, water quality management and distribution. Um, and uh, I think there's a lot of things we have left to do on that. So, and I think those are universal messages. All right. Dave McMillan, thanks for joining us on the McGuire Iron Podcast and uh, sharing your uh, knowledge of Illinois and Illinois rural water. Well, I would like to thank McGuire for their participation in our training programs, and we hope to continue our collaboration. Agreed. Thanks, Dave. Thank you. Remember, you can always connect with us by going to our website, mcguireiron.com. You can ask questions by sending us an email at info at or you can follow or reach out to us on any of our social media platforms. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Thank you for joining us on the McGuire Iron Podcast.